Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, we're going to talk about finding the vision for your next chapter. And we're going to be discussing a book that I loved, that I saw myself in, and I know many of you are going to see yourself in this book as well. The name of the book is Find Your Clear Vision. And the author of the book is Lisa Gio, who is also a certified transformational leadership coach and also a branding expert. And we're going to dive into personal brand and vision and how the two are connected on this episode. So welcome, Lisa. Jennifer, thank you. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, this is going to be a juicy conversation. I can feel it because I just said to Lisa before the show, I have like two pages of questions. <laughs> um, so when something piques my curiosity this much, you know, it's going to be a good conversation. So tell us a little bit about who you wrote this book for and why you wrote it. Like what prompted you to write this book? Let's go back a little bit because I actually think I wrote the, well, and people always say this, I wrote this book for my former self, but it was a series of, you know, not unfortunate events, but fortunate events that led me to this place where it was a creative moment. It was my clear vision that I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool to write a book? I have all of these frameworks. I have all of these results and client work and ideas and this process to find your clear vision. What if I put that in book format? And then my most vibrant self, my highest self, you know, the seat of intuition right here in your third eye was like, yes, that would be cool. And then I went through a two-year period of what I call the messy middle, where it's like, that was a really cool idea. But Lisa, you got a lot of things to do. And ooh, it's going to be so fun to write that book. But oh, my God, the editing and up, and up and down, up and down until two years to the day that I actually had the book in my hands. So it's kind of a living testament to the framework working and to this being a process that anybody can challenge themselves to find their clear vision and to bring that idea to life. Yeah. And I wanted to have this conversation with you today because one of the things I hear most often in the old chicks, no shit community is this sense of like, I want something different for my life. I don't want to continue living the life that I want. I feel like there has to be more. I mean, that was definitely me. I kept looking around going, is this like, is this what my life is? And knowing that I wanted something different, but I had no clue like what that was or how to get there. I couldn't even envision anything. And I think for a lot of us, it's a problem because we only know what we've lived and our experience kind of puts us in a little bit of a box in that we can't see beyond it. So all the people that I surrounded myself with were little carbon copies of myself. You know what I mean? And every day I did the same thing and I talked to people who are having the same experiences. And so I couldn't envision anything that didn't look like that. 
because I'd never had that experience. And that's why I really wanted to have a chat with you about this book, because creating that vision, I think, has been for me the number one thing that has pushed me or pulled me forward into my own midlife reinvention. Mm, I love that. Yeah. How did that come? Not to be the one asking questions, but how did that come about for you? So the listeners of the podcast have heard me and any new listeners. Basically, in the year leading up to my 50th birthday, I found myself divorced, unemployed after a 25 plus year corporate career, an empty nester, and I was bedridden with a stress-related illness. And it was as though like every identity that I thought I had in the world was literally stripped away from me. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted for my life. If it wasn't this, what is it? But the one thing that I knew was that if I wanted my life to be different, I had to show up differently in it. Mm. And that began, you know, and then I was like, (laughs) so I bought it fully into the cultural narrative that says nobody starts over at 50. This is the beginning of the end. You might as well just coast into the finish line now. And then I realized I'm like, wait a minute, I got like a 30 year chapter ahead of me that I have the opportunity to create a life that I want to live on my terms. Because quite frankly, that one wasn't working for me. Look where we got me. And I have this opportunity to create a life now. But what does that look like? And starting, I mean, the vision grew tiny, tiny pieces by tiny, tiny piece. But And it was a process. And I really wish I had had your book. <laughs> of that process because I was like, oh, wow, this makes so much sense. And it probably would have got me there a lot faster because I kind of weaved my way in and out of things, you know, putting pieces on the vision as it well. But the vision was so important for me because the vision is what created energy. And I really want to dive into this because you talk about this a lot in your book, created the energy and the passion and the excitement that I wanted for my life, even though it wasn't something tangible or real, it was in my head. It felt very real. Right. And it was like, oh, this is where I'm going now. Yeah, I love that. I was actually reflecting as you were sharing that you couldn't see your vision when you were around certain types of people or even in your old identity, which was a bunch of labels, right? Mm -hmm. 50, divorced and, you know, empty nester. So these are all labels that society places on us. And oftentimes by default, we assume the energy of a divorced single yeah. woman yeah. or of an empty nester. And that doesn't feel good to me. Like that energy, it, it comes with a lot of baggage. And so, you know, same thing. My personal breakdown came in my mid thirties when I was like, I'm a suburban mom who lives out here. I'm going to be overweight in these yoga pants. I need to prove to society, to whomever right? That I am worthy. I am worthwhile. Mm. I am perfect. I'm going to do this mom thing perfectly, this stepmom thing perfectly, my business, my nonprofit, my yoga, right? (laughs) All of it perfectly. And as a graphic designer at the time, it was literally my job to create perfect award-winning designs, Mm. find the perfect color, create the perfect layout, make sure all everything works, right? Right. And it all fed right into this identity that I was embodying. And I call it your paradox pattern because the paradox being I was doing all these things to prove I was worthy and enough and perfect. And the paradox is I already am. I just need to recognize it for myself. So 
you like not being able to to see that around you is super interesting because we've all heard the term oh you're the average of the five people you hang out with mm-hmm. most yeah. but similarly as it relates to energy you are the energetic vibration of the five people you surround yourself with most of the music you listen to of the news you watch right yes. you can start anything you allow into your energetic field, which is basically like stuff coming into your brain, right? You can call it your brain. You can call it your crown chakra. It is what you absorb and take on as your own. So I do a lot of energetic work with my clients so they can just fully embody their own purpose and vision and leadership on their own two feet, being able to identify themselves as their most vibrant self, their personal essence, rather than these caricatures that people place on us. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the ones I think that was one of the biggest limiting ideas for me was this idea of age, you know, in that I was 50. And, you know, the cultural narrative of what it means to be a 50 year old woman is like, bladder leakage protection, meal replacement shakes, you know, (laughs) and retirement plans. You know, I should be riding off into the sunset with a pot of gold under my arm, you know, on the arm of a handsome man. And I'm like, okay, none of that is my reality. Like I started to buy into that. And to your point, energetically, I was absorbing that, which it's a very limiting cultural narrative, less relevant, less valuable, all of that kind of stuff. And I think one of the most important things that I did on my journey was very early on, I decided that I was going to have coffee with as many people as I could from as many different walks of life, like outside of my own corporate sphere. So I had grown up in the corporate world, right? Did all the right things, you know, had a 25 plus year in corporate. And that opened my eyes to possibilities and ways of being that I couldn't even have possibly imagined, like outside of the nine to five. And I was like, people are making money doing this and people are doing that. And, you know, I would find out from people like how they got to where they got to, what they loved about it, what they wanted to do next. And all these little doors in my mind just kept popping open like, oh, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. And so creating that small step out shifted something inside me and shifted me energetically, I think, to allow me to be able to begin to create a new vision. Yeah. And what I hear in that is you opening up yourself to more experiences, even if it's just going down to your local coffee shop with somebody in town, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need to travel to London or go across, you know, your eat, pray, love moment, but it opened up your mind to possibilities. And when you do that, you're, you're literally creating new neural pathways in your mind to pop, there's a new idea. And so from that place, you're automatically popping yourself out of the default of what we have learned and been told over time. Yeah. I want to dig in a little bit on what you call in the book, paradox patterns. Because I think this is really important too. Can you explain a little bit about what the paradox pattern is and like how that keeps us stuck? Yes. So it is a way to define your shadow side, your ego. It's a way to label that voice in your head that tells you, you know, in essence, there's, you know, there's a handful of main reasons why we limit ourselves or we're trying to prove that we are lovable, that we are enough, that we are worthy, right? We all kind of have these core 
I don't know, thoughts that we've been held holding as true for decades. And then we've collected evidence to prove it's true. Mm-hmm. And the paradox being, you already are lovable. You already are enough. You just need to be open to receive that and to believe it. And when you do that and you practice that, then boom, right? You can create a new neural pathway to what I call your pop thought. So there's, I believe, just nine of these paradox patterns. And within the book, you can define what yours is so you can catch it. So oftentimes, like in my career journey, I was paid for my perfectionist paradox pattern. Oftentimes we are paid for our paradox because we're really good at it. And when you're really good at something, people want to pay you to stay good at that thing. Yeah. Right. Because you can fit into that mold of creating the perfect graphic design, the perfect website. So I took that same paradox pattern that I thought I was so good at, but I applied it all around my life and it was exhausting and it led to breakout of shingles on my face the day that my daughter was born, but I didn't know how to break out of that drop box. I call it a drop box because it's a place where you are consistently having these repetitive thoughts. Well, I got to be perfect at everything. Um, But the, again, paradox is that box is actually open. You just have to have the wherewithal to look up, And look outside of what is default for you, which Jennifer, that is something you did when you were, you just decided I'm going to start to ask people out for coffee, see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, like my story was very similar to yours in that, like I became very successful in my career because it was all about proving and achieving because it was like every promotion, every title, how much money I made defined. It's like, look world here. I was, I'm enough. Right. And that's what kept me going. But I had this like, you know, all the way along, I would have this. Well, especially like, you know, I was very successful in my career and I got to this place where I was like, this is the thing I've been working for. And I got there and then I was like, "Okay, is this it? Like, is this really it? And then what I would do is I would take that little voice and I would shut it down because I had no idea. First of all, I'd invested a lot to get to where I was. I wasn't about to pull the plug and blow it up. And I didn't know where to go from there. And so I got stuck in that pattern right? Of like, if I don't have this title, if I don't have this job, then I have nothing, which, you know, when it was eventually taken away from me, I realized, oh my goodness, you know, well, it took me a long time to realize, let's not, (laughs) to realize like there's (laughs) there's whole other dimensions to me that I haven't yet explored. And so I saw, as I was reading through your book and I was, you were talking about the paradox pattern, I was like, oh, I got trapped there for quite some time. And I think so many of us do because it's all we know. Yeah. And you're getting paid for it. And people tell you you're excellent at what you do. And so then what happens is we say, okay, Jennifer, I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll spend more time with my family after I complete this project. And then you complete the project, you get the promotion. You're like, wait, why am I not happy yet? Yeah. Right. Like, okay, so that I should probably do this again. And then whoop, you go back into the same pattern. And so I would try to break that, that thought. And it is a very thick thought because we've been thinking it for so long. Why can't you just be happy now? Right? Why are we saving that for sometime in the future? Like, so we actually, you know, need to choose how do I want to feel now? And what actions do I take to do that 
now. Yeah, that's so true. One of the things that you talk about in the book a lot is the, the idea of creativity. And I wanted to dig into that a little bit because so many of us, and myself included, said, oh, I'm not creative because I'm this, right? Like I'm an accountant or I am a strategist or I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm not creative. Can you define for us kind of how you view creativity and like what goes into that? Yes. Creatives are simply human beings who have ideas and then you make your idea real. And so anyone who is listening here today woke up and chose the outfit that you put on. That is a creative choice you made. And you might be like, well, I'm wearing jeans and Crocs, Lisa. So am I, right? (laughs) But, you know, my Crocs are silver glitter Crocs, right? So, and that's a creative choice I made. Every choice throughout your entire day is a creative choice because you are designing your life through the choices that you make. Mm. So, yes, I've got a handful of clients who are in design, marketing, and advertising, And I also have a handful of clients who are data scientists, financial advisors, right? Chief operating officers and spending time, again, shifting the thought from I am not creative, because if you hold that thought as true, your subconscious is going to get right on board. All right, cool. We are not creative then. And just assuming I am creative in everything I do in this, you know, what I choose to eat for lunch. And what I choose to listen to on the radio and what coffee shop I'm going to today. Just start to embody creativity in your choices. And you're going to start to notice that you actually have agency over how your day unfolds. And by the end of the day, you have created your future by design. And that, my friends, is creativity. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, you know, people are like, well, I'm not an artist, right? I'm not a mm-hmm. this, that, or the other thing. But I would actually now call myself creative, which if you asked me five years ago, I'd be like, ah, no, I write strategy decks. That's what I do, right? But creativity is, I love how you just defined it because like you said, creativity is this, it's not reserved for artists. Let, let's put it that way. Right. And even, you know, the process of designing your own life, like that is creativity. Like, what do I want my life to look like? What can I envision? What makes me happy? All of that is creativity. Yes. Well, and you talk about like, well, what's my next chapter? And even that idea is that your book has not been written yet. It is in process. Yeah. And so you get to choose the next word, the next word, the next word. And that is creativity. I'm not an artist, but um, my mom is an artist. Like you can't see it, but back here, this is a painting she's created. She sells her art. She's an encaustic artist, so she melts wax. It's super cool. That is a form of tangible art. I use words to, to express my creativity in clothing and color. And you can choose an amazing strategy deck that creates amazing results, that's creative too. I think we just need to shift the narrative we have behind it as one that is disempowering mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of an elitist club of what creatives, you know, creatives get to go to this special club, but it, it's not true. So the link between creativity and vision, like how do you describe that? Well, it's interesting. At the beginning of the new year, people always ask me to like help them with vision boards. Like I'll get asked to go give talks about vision boarding, which is 
lovely and amazing, but your vision is only one of your five senses, actually, right? And I really like to embody all the senses, whether it's a sense of touch, taste, smell, sight, what you listen to. So if you start to think of your future life, your future vision, where do you live? You know, do you hear the ocean in the background? What are you eating? What are you wearing? Whom are you in conversation with? What are you talking about? So it's really becomes a full body experience. And when you craft your future from this full body experience and you can see it, that's the vision. When you can see it, then you believe it. And that is a much different saying than saying, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Very big. Because one of the things, and I know this was my experience and I've seen this from the women in my community as well too, is like, so we go through this process and we create this vision. Oh, you know, I'd like to live in a house by the ocean and paint or whatever it is. Right. And then the next thing we do, so we have this lovely vision and we feel so good. And then the next thing we do is that's not possible because a, I can't paint. I don't have enough money to buy the house that would cost a fortune. You know, I can't do this and I can't do that. Like we just pile on all of those limiting beliefs, right? How do you counsel your clients and the people that you work with to manage through those limiting beliefs? Because for so many of us, the pile of limiting beliefs is so big that it just kills the vision. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and notice we kill our own visions before they even have a chance of surviving. It's just like we just automatically hit it with the reason why not. And yeah, it bothers me to no end. (laughs) So the clear vision framework that it's actually an acronym C stands for clear concept. So in the letter C, creates your intention, your goal, the vision of your future life, who do you want to be in conversations with, and you really paint that picture of who you are being, what are you doing, and you have to hold that really high, high vibration of this is a life I am worthy of, this is what I can create, right? And then I'll ask my clients, so why is that important? And oftentimes the first thing out of their mouth is, well, I need to get paid, right? Okay. Why is that important? Well, I need to put food on the table. Okay. Why is that important? Well, I need my 401k, right? You can just see the energetic level just drop, 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 drop. And at that point I say, cool, cool. You know what? You can do that with your eyes closed, hands down. You can go get yourself a job and do that. No problem. Right? But you are not here to create that life. Mm. You are not here to make that impact. You can, and you're not going to convince me otherwise, right? This is a moment for my clients to step into and hold more space for themselves. And that takes a lot of inner trust. And it also takes this deep, deep self-awareness of just like fully embodying your vision. And so how do we do that? We don't do it by discounting it at a heartbeat. We do it by actually looking at when you have that future vision in place, where the impact that you want to make in the world is alive and kicking and present, and people can feel it and see it. Who are you being? When I look at you, 
what do I see, right? And from that place, that's where the shift happens from all the reasons why I can't to how you feel and who are you being. So then, you know, we say words like, I am at peace. I am present. I feel that queen energy. I feel vibrant and vivacious and sexy or whatever it is. And we're like, yes, right? And then they're like, yes, that's how I feel. So then you have that pop thought. That's Mm -hmm. when you are in that higher energetic level. And when you are in that pop frame of mind, you do, you just feel better and like your energy is high and you can like, I'm going to go out and make that phone call. I'm going to be in action. Okay. So notice nothing actually in the real present world at this exact moment changed. I don't have the beach house, right? (laughs) I haven't been elected to local mayor or whatever my vision was. I am just still here. The only thing that shifted was who you were being about it. Mm -hmm. So now the practice, the work is to every single day and every one of your choices embody that level of popped energy, that vibrancy, vivaciousness, all of that. That is now your full-time job is to embody that energy because then that's what's going to take you forward to take action. Yeah. And that's, it's so important. And one of the things that I learned, and I want to dig more into energy because you talk a lot about this in the book, but one of the things that I learned along the way, and again, I learned this the hard way. If I'd had your book, it would have been a lot quicker. One of the things I learned along the way is that every single solitary day, I have to reset that energy, right? Because I wake up in the morning and you want to call it like, old me or whatever it is, like the old version of me wakes up with like, because it's been programmed. Like I have 50 years of programming that set that me in that place where I was, right? I wake up every morning and I default to that, right? Because that's what I know. That's what's programmed in my subconscious. That's what's programmed into my life. So every morning I have to take a walk. And during that walk, like I call it my vision walk, right? I put myself back in my vision. Okay. This is the thing that I'm creating out here. And here's me doing the thing. If I'm standing on stage or running a charity or do whatever it is that I'm doing. And I have to put myself back in that vision to remind myself of what that feels like. And so it's not something that like you do once (laughs) and you're like, Oh, here's the vision. That's great. I have to constantly keep putting myself back there. Sometimes I have to do it several times a day. Because what happened to me along the way, and this is how I learned it the hard way, was, you know, I was had this vision and I was all excited and then the bottom fell out of the vision and I'm like, this is feeling like really hard work and I'm coming up against all these limiting beliefs and fears and yada, yada, yada. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And I went and got a job. So I got a job that on paper looked great, except for one month in, I was like, oh crap, I made a mistake. This is not what I want. This is what I left, but this is not what I want. And then I had to kind of graciously back my way, backtrack out of that. And that was how I learned that I was like, oh, okay, I have to just keep propping my vision up. I have to just keep being in it. I have to keep giving it energy to allow it to continue or else it will just die. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. What I hear and what you shared is so perfect. I might even steal that like vision walk in the morning because that sounds like amazing. But it does. I had a client who did this. She was like, Lisa, you know, in the morning, I eat a really healthy breakfast. I have my vitamins. I do my meditation. I get a quick walk in. 
But then by the time I get home from work at like 7 p.m., I am wiped out and I just, I can't do anything. I just like eat and go to bed. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like around noon, how did you, you know, revitalize your energy? How did you get reconnected to yourself? Oh, I didn't have time to do that. Oh, okay. So what about like around 2 p.m.? How did you connect to your most vibrant self? No, no, no. I mean, I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. I've had clients say that consistently. Like, I don't gift myself time to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So, you know, what we noticed was amazing, amazing morning practice. But throughout the day, especially as you are moving into higher and more extensive roles, while you're being promoted, while your team is growing, you're not given any more time in your day. But what you need to do instead is to increase your energy and refocus your energy. And so I often think of it like as a pair of scissors. When you have a pair of scissors, you can make tiny little cuts, right? You just like, if your energy is just only like at 10%, you're only making tiny little cuts. It's going to take you a long time to get all the way through to the other side. The more you can increase your energy, the wider the arc of your scissors is going to become and the more clear snap you can get to the other side. So increase your energy in order to laser focus. Yeah, because you talk about this concept of expanded energy a lot in the book. And again, I want to double click on this point because to your point, the second most common thing I hear from women is I want something else, but honestly, I'm tapped out. I have nothing left to give. And so what is this concept of expanded energy and like, how do we get there? Yeah. I think that language that you just used was really cool. I have nothing left to give. So if you find yourself at a space where you have nothing left to give, it is probably because you haven't allowed yourself to receive energy, Mm. love, compassion, rest, right? Thanks, praise, whatever it may be. I have clients who are like, you know, it's 8 p.m. I get home, I'm wiped. I just want to go to bed. And I'm like, well, cool. Like, go to bed. It's nighttime. You're tired, right? (laughs) It's like at the baseline is listening to your body because like you and I have both had experiences. If you don't listen to your body, your body's just going to knock you down. Yeah. Be like, well, here's some shingles right on front of your face. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Here you want to lose that 2020 vision. Here you go. Shingles in the eye. So your body will let you know. So my clients don't want to hear it because they are ambitious, overachieving, like type A personality men and women. But to the first step to expand your energy is to go within. And to get quiet and just like be with yourself. Yes. Yeah. Like period, end of story. That's all I need to say. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really important point because I think for most of us, and this was definitely my experience and I've seen this a lot, is when we have no energy left or we have nothing left to give, the last thing that we would even contemplate doing is sitting by ourselves. Like it feels like a virtual impossibility to like to sit and go inwards. 
right? Because I remember like there was times where, you know, in the middle of my career, I'd be like, okay, I really need to learn to calm my brain. And I would go to yoga and then I would lie on the mat and I'd be making mental to-do lists and my brain was just going like this, blah, 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 blah. And then I, you know, said, okay, this is a complete failure. Obviously I can't do it. Like this is not working for me. And then that's it. I would just forget about it. I got forced to go inwards when everything outside of me was taken away. And the only direction left was inside. And it was a process of practice, right? Of like learning to go inwards. Because this is the other thing. I think there's the, oh, just meditate. Oh, well, so I'm supposed to be able to just sit in complete silence for 30 minutes, right? First time I ever sit down, boom. And if I can't do it, then there must be something wrong with me, which is what a lot of us do. Right. And so learning to view it as like a practice. And I say this to my clients all the time is even if you spend two minutes in the morning, literally sipping your coffee in complete silence while before the house is woken up, that counts. Right. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Take whatever is available to you. If it's two minutes, if it's five minutes, if it's 20 minutes, that's great. But like you don't have to start there. But going inwards is to your point the only way to expand your energy, like to find the additional energy, because it's not out there anywhere. (laughs) And it's a different type of energy. Yeah. And that's where the growth happens. That's where the creativity is sparked. That's where new ideas are formed. You're not going to find it in like a Red Bull, you know, (laughs) or like another CrossFit exercise. I find it in music, Mm. Uh, music is a great way for me to like recharge and discharge energy. And I write about it in the book because it's like, I have a go-to list for my pop energy. So when I need to just like turn it on and like get ready to go before like a, a talk or a client session or a podcast recording. And then I also have a playlist, which I call like my venting playlist, where I've got the Rage Against the Machine song. And I've got some like, like nine inch nails, like totally like kind of embarrassing, but super nitty gritty, like songs where if I get pissed or upset, and I do, because we're all human, or angry, then I'll throw on one of those songs in my car and just like turn it up so loud. And then I rage all the energy out and then I'm ready to get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Energy management is so important. I wanted to talk about the other thing that you do, which is the creation of personal brand and the connection to personal brand and vision. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Yes. So because I have a background in brand strategy, I used to help build brands from, you know, the ground up where there wasn't even a name for the business yet. And and it would move through all of its forms to be an expression to share out in the world. Now, when it comes to personal branding, a lot of people just straight up start with the strategy. Well, I need executive presence. That's really a form of personal branding or professional branding, whatever you want to call it. And then they're like, okay, so I need to be on LinkedIn and I need to say something, right? And then they're like, so what should I say? And we know because we see so many like super vanilla personal and professional brands out there. It's very boring and forgettable. And that's why a lot of people start to actually look alike. And we don't see uh, these distinct moments. But if you start to think about some of the people that you follow, 
whether it's on social media or maybe it's an author or activist or somebody who's out there in the limelight that you enjoy and you'll like buy anything that they share, for example, or any book that they write or recommend. Well, that the reason that you are attracted to that person is because you can see their clear vision. They are a visionary. You trust them, right? They clearly communicate to you. And the reason that that happens is because what they value, you do. And so you can be like, then I'm going to buy that thing. I'm going to vote for that person, whatever it is. And what's happening is that person, oftentimes, like if it's a big celebrity or like an amazing author, for example, they have managed their energy. They have created their life around this clear vision. This thing that people often think is impossible. Nobody can do that. Who would ever believe you? And then yet they do. And we see them out there in the world. So that is a beautiful example of being able to look out and see a visionary person. And the way they're expressing it is through personal and professional branding, which really is an exchange of energy. We love their energy, right? Because like, I'm sure you can probably think of somebody like that out there in the world. You're like, yeah, you know, every time Reese Witherspoon or Oprah suggests a book, I go look at it, right? And I'm like, maybe that's a book for me. Yeah. You know, that's so important too, because, you know, as you were talking about, you know, personal brand being kind of your energy, right? I'm thinking about the energy you have inside is what is being reflected outside, right? Like where Mm -hmm. if you have a disconnect between the inside and the outside, which I think I know I did like trying to be one more way and inside I'm like, you know, professional got it all together on the outside and inside I'm a chaotic mess because I'm so stressed. Right. But your energy enters a room before you do. And what energy is inside is what's projected outside. And so the importance of doing that inner work and going inwards, and you talked earlier about being self-aware, like what's happening inside myself is a huge way of managing your personal brand. Yes. Yeah. Because if you imagine, so if I bring the energy into the room that is overwhelmed and scattered and I really just have to go to the bathroom, but I'm not going because I don't have time, right? <laughs> like my post-it notes are everywhere. People sense that. Yeah. And then they start to be like, does that person have it all together? You know, should I really be investing in this person, for example? Right. And then you can see a super disconnect if that person is online and is showcasing one way of their being online, but then you meet that human in real life or you want to engage with them or hire them or whatever it may be. And you're like, wait, is these two things don't match. Right. And that's the opportunity to take a look at what, you know, the inside doesn't match the outside. So that's why we've got to start with that inner platform first, which is self-awareness, creative mindset, clear vision, and expanded energy. So then your scissors, right, are open wide. Then when you take that to your outer platform, which is how it expresses through personal and professional branding, positioning, messaging, your target audience, even if you are in a career path, you still have a personal um, and professional Mm -hmm. brand, but it's moving up through, you know, promotions and the type of legacy you want to lead. When you come with all of these inner platform pieces, how that expresses out in the world is so much easier. 
And the best part is that it feels so good too. Yeah. And one of the things that you talked about when you were talking about the inner platform was this idea of inner trust. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like for a lot of us where we have that kind of proving energy, like the need to prove and to comes because we don't trust ourselves. Yes. Amen. And we're taught not to. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, just look at advertising. I mean, I love the store Ulta. I go that it's like my happy place because I can go in and buy small cream or lipstick and I feel great. But they had this bag. I, I bought some stuff there this weekend and the bag said something to the effect like beauty is possibility. And I thought, really though? <laughs> Here is this, this, this company is trying to sell me that that beauty comes with possibility. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm the possibility. I just like this lipstick, right? <laughs> and it's super interesting. Like, even like you think about McDonald's, like the happy meal. Oh, right. Yeah. So consistently, we are taught to look outwards for our happiness, for our beauty, our possibilities. Then we're also taught to earn people's trust, yeah. right? I'm not going to give you any trust. Uh, you have to earn it. You have to prove it, which is a lose-lose game. That's really, it's really hard to win at that game. Um, so instead of looking outwards to create trust, again, it's an inside job. And we have to learn how to trust ourselves and our choices. And this is, you got to get out of the that drop box of the paradox because we have been trained for so long to look outside of us and how we should make our choices and how like right like that looks good on paper i should do it yeah versus trusting your intuition you're like mm, this isn't what i want to do i have to trust that this is okay i have to choose in alignment with my vision and so you got to go back within back within and it gets super messy because we have to break up with all of these you know thoughts of who we are supposed to trust when really it's just ourselves. So same thing, when you trust yourself in your decision-making, then on the outer platform out in the world, you become someone who is trustworthy. Oh, gosh. I could talk for hours on this one. Like one of my big realizations was, you know, I had done everything I was supposed to do. I had ticked all the box of shoulds all the way through my life, right? Like I was being the good little girl, you know, get a, you know, get good marks in school, go to a good college, get a good job, work your way up the ranks. But, and I was checking all the boxes. And so again, on paper, it looked great, but nowhere along the way did I actually stop and ask myself the question, is this what you want? And is this making you happy? Like that wasn't even an option in the option sets just didn't exist. Right. Then you layer on, and which I think a lot of people, especially my generation, like that's the way we operated, right? Then you layer on top of that, that as women, you know, we are taught that our value lies in what we do for other people. So we take care of everybody else. Is our body pleasing to somebody outside of ourselves and our ability to have children and nurture children? So all of the value that we are creating is something separate from ourselves. And right. And so when, you know, I've heard women say that having this vision feel for myself and what I want feels selfish to me because I'm taking something yeah. away from somebody or something else in order to do this. 
Right. Yeah. It's you, you get stuck in the paradox of being the caretaker, yeah. being the martyr, the mother, all yeah. of it. And when you are doing that, it is like, it is a okay to be a caregiver hundred percent. But if you're doing it from a place of, I have to do this because this is who I'm supposed to be. And I have to give, give, give until I have nothing left for me. That is a much different story than I am a caretaker because this is the impact of love, of energy and vibrancy that I want to gift to myself and to the world, right? It just comes from an entirely different place. You can be doing the same exact thing, but with two entirely different mindsets. And I think you really hit on a, a beautiful moment. Like, why don't we have a checkbox for, is this what I really want? And is this going to make me happy? Because <laughs> yeah. nobody asks us that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that was in the consideration, which, yeah, it's so interesting. <laughs> Let's talk about the messy middle. I love this. I love the way you describe this. The gap between where you, or the, the identity you have today and the identity of what it is that you want to create. Like, can you talk a little bit more about the messy middle? <laughs> yeah. So for example, I shared at the beginning when we were chatting about like, how did this book come to life? So I had the idea, oh, maybe that would might be cool to write a book. So I had the pop thought and I had the idea. And then two years later, I have the book in my hand. Everything in between that thought, that's what creatives do. We have a thought and then you bring it to reality. This one just took two years. In between all that space is the messy middle. So that is where you play the game of having to every single day, every single choice, connect and realign to the impact you want to have, the vision you want to create. Why is it important? Creating small wins, celebrating the wins, you know, celebrating tiny moments, and also forgiving yourself for when you don't wake up at 6 a.m. and write 500 words, or when you lose that Google Doc and you can't find it, or when your kid gets sick and you don't have any time to edit the chapter. So the messy middle is the space in between your idea and your vision realized. And I think that's where the mindset work comes into play because, you know, for example, I remember in college, my first year in college, I had to go to what was in essence like a remedial English class where we learned how to do a five paragraph essay. And I was just like totally surprised that there was like a format for a five paragraph essay. I was like, oh, why did I never learn this? This is great. <laughs> but I must have been a really bad writer. <laughs> and so I, I held the thought, I'm not a good writer because I have to go back to an essence like a really remedial yeah. English class. If I had held on to that thought, I'm not a good writer and entered into my day every day for two years thinking, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I have writer's block, right? You're bringing two conflicting energies to the same party. And which one's going to win? It's going to be the thought that's heavier and thicker. So in the messy middle, you have to choose again and again and again to align to your vision. Yeah. So like my vision walk idea, right? Like every day I know I have to do that thing. 
in order. And like, sometimes I do it multiple times a day, right? Like in the middle of something that's really sucky, <laughs> I'm like, okay, go back to the vision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 100%. the messy, like the messy middle is where the work is done. Like where you come face to face with yourself really. Right. And all the, yeah. the limiting beliefs and thoughts that you didn't even know existed in there. Right. Until you go to do the thing and then you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't even know that was there. And now you have to, you know, work your way through it. Or like me, yeah. job, right? Same thing. It was like, yeah. So. Yeah. And sometimes you make the wrong choice. You're like, oh, whoops, I just took this full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't actually aligned with, with what I wanted yeah. to do. Okay. Right. So now what are we going to choose? Mm -hmm. Well, and here's the thing though, in allowing yourselves to make mistakes along the way too, I think is, and having like, being compassionate with yourself when you make the mistakes, because the mistakes are how you learn. Like, had I, you know, taking that step backwards and going and get that job actually really propelled me forward because it put me back to like, I really don't want this anymore. Right. Like it was just like, like this is a vision of what I don't want. And that was like, okay, I know now I only have one direction. This is no longer an option. I cut it off and I have to keep going forward. Right. And so it actually yeah. allowed me to kind of take steps forward because I took that step backward. It kind of propelled me forward. So mistakes are inevitable. <laughs> Right. And letting go of that, like you talked about that perfectionist, because I definitely am a recovering perfectionist, uh, <laughs> especially for the perfectionist part of ourselves that wants to get everything right. Right. Like we have to be just really compassionate with ourselves. And it's like a step along the journey. It's not the end. It's literally a step. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. And sometimes like when you know you're like meant for something more and it's not this but you don't quite know what it is. I think you're spot on. When you took that job, you recognize, oh wait, this is what I don't want. And that is a huge insight too. It's you, you see the contrast between, I know I don't want this. So what other possibility is there? It allows you to look in another direction. Yeah. So even having that contrast and, and using that as a clue. Yeah, it was important. This is such, I mean, we, we could literally talk all day about this stuff. There's a line in the book or no, let me go to this first. There's an exercise that you talk about in the book where you talk about taking two sides of pieces of paper and writing on one side, my mind tells me dot, dot, dot. And on the other side, my heart tells me dot, dot, dot. What is the importance of this exercise? Like this really, like I was reading this exercise and I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to go do that right now. And in fact, I did do it. But what is the importance of this exercise and why did you put it in the book? Well, oftentimes for us overachieving, ambitious, you know, type A folks, our, and I'm calling myself on that, right? Capricorn <laughs> over here. My mind is logical and quote unquote reasonable and structured. And so we tend to believe it, right? Mm -hmm. If the weatherman tells us it's going to rain, right, it's logical to bring an umbrella. And so it just really creates a very binary world. It's very masculine in its approach. So that's your mind. Now, we also need to be in union with our feminine energy. Mm -hmm. If you think of your masculine energy like uh, a glass, uh, I'm holding up my Diet Coke, okay? <laughs> so it's like this can of Diet Coke. And it's structured, it's logical, it's a container, it's also very ambitious, it's highly caffeinated, right? It's go, go, go. We need that. Our mind does give us some clues sometimes. It keeps us safe. 
Similarly, though, for those creative ideas and expanded energy and future visioning and relaxation and peace and flow and connection to our heart and our most vibrant self and love, those are all feminine qualities. So we need to get more in touch with that space in order to think of new possibilities. So I like to think of feminine energy or that heart-centered energy as what we would pour into a glass. It is that flow. It is free form. It can be any color. But we do need the structure of our Diet Coke can. Otherwise, whatever we pour into it, it's just going to flow all over the place. So when we, most of the time, we look to logic first, but logic is only going to give you one side. So looking into your heart and exploring happiness and what do I really want and what does my heart say is a beautiful way to get in touch with your creativity and other ideas. doesn't mean we have to do them. It just is going to give you more clues and ideas to play with. Yeah, I love that. I love the analogy that you just used between the masculine and the feminine energy, because I think as women, we are forced into our masculine, especially if we work in the corporate world, right? And then we chop off that part of ourselves. We like close that door, we lock it, we hide the key somewhere. And part of you know, creating your vision and creating your next chapter is we need to unlock that door again (laughs) and peek our head inside and start to make friends with what's there. And it can feel very foreign. Like it's a very foreign way of being for us if we've been in our masculine. Right. And in some cases we might call it daydreaming, lazy, (laughs) you know, all of those things that we're trying to be conditioned not to be. Right. And trying to find the balance between what you talk about, the creativity, the flow, the ideas, and then the structure, like you said, or else, you know, we just end up in la la land over there, (laughs) which exactly, you know, on my own journey and learning masculine and feminine energy, I was like the pendulum. I went from extreme masculine to extreme feminine (laughs) and then was like, oh, yeah, this is not good either, because I could literally lie on this couch and daydream all day. Right. And then came back to the middle. And I think sometimes we do have to kind of go from one end to the other, from guardrail to guardrail to find the middle again, right? But finding that balance between, you know, the energy and the flow and the creativity and then the structure in order to make it happen. It's a beautiful dance, right? Yes. That I am like still in the process of really mastering because- Sometimes, again, I go too far one way or I go too far the other way. And but now at least I recognize it and I can be like, okay, I'm coming back to the middle again. Right. Back to the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that exercise. And I did do it because I was like, oh, this is and it was just it was interesting to see how I was like, oh, I was a little bit far on the masculine side. I was very much in the structure and not enough in the ideas. And I had to be like, okay, I need to balance this out now. So good little exercise. I want to end with. A line that you wrote in the book that says, be who you are on purpose with purpose. I love that. Can you tell us what you meant by that? Be who you are on purpose with purpose. Yeah, that Dolly Parton said something similar too. I forget. She's got some purpose statement. She also said once. (laughs) I should look that one up too. But be who you are on purpose. Show up authentically in all of you. 
and do it with purpose. That means it showing up and taking action, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were just saying, connecting to your heart, your intuition, that soft feminine side, right? Our masculine would have us have it be lazy, right? God forbid that a woman who is middle-aged is lazy, right? God forbid we daydream. (laughs) But you know what? If we embrace that part of us and gift ourselves some moments to relax into a daydream and to find our purpose, then move out into the world with purpose. Take action. Share. The last step in the creative process is to share with the world, with your people, your audience, your family. It can be a big share. It can be a little share. It can be in a hug. It can be in a social media post, whatever it is. But being in action is something that I think the world needs so much of who we are, especially as women, in all of our wisdom, in all of our experience, and um, sharing from that place that is that, you know, union between the masculine and the feminine and come with heart, like that's where we need to take action from. And, and if we all just like take a little piece of ourselves and share it in that way, I can only imagine like the world would literally like explode. (laughs) It would be fantastic. Yeah. That's, that is my mission is to help other people find their clear vision and share it with purpose. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. This book is the perfect balance of masculine and feminine. I uh, I loved everything about it. I mean, you talk about the spiritual side, you talk about the energetic side, you talk about the practical grounded action side. It's really, it fed all those parts of me. And so to anybody listening to this, if you are in that place where you're like, you know, there has to be something more, you're struggling with the vision of how to get there. I highly, highly, highly recommend picking up this new book. It's brand new, just out. We're recording this on what, April... 19th. It just came out last week. (laughs) It did. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Finding your clear vision. Highly recommend it. Go check it out on Amazon. It's a beautiful book. Like I said to you at the beginning, I saw so much of myself and my own journey in it. I love the tools and the frameworks. I like, it's a great book. In fact, like I said several times, if I had had this book at the beginning of my journey, I probably wouldn't have made a few mistakes, but it is what it is. (laughs) So thank you for writing this book. Thank you for sharing this book with our listeners. And uh, thank you for having this conversation with me. Oh my gosh, Jennifer, it has been so fun reflecting your journey and hearing about your vision and who you are out there in the world, like a woman with purpose on purpose. So I so appreciate the opportunity. So thank you everybody for listening. Again, go check out the book, Finding Your Clear Vision on Amazon. And it's probably at other booksellers as well too, but I found it on Amazon. And if you like what you heard today, please feel free to give us a rating or review, or even better yet, if you know somebody who you think would benefit from this conversation, please share this podcast episode with them. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 